Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. To the Canon Cast. This is the fifth annual trade deadline spectacular. I'm your host, PD. I am joined here by Dale and Burkus. And yeah, it has been five times that we've done this. The first one was the first episode of the Canon Cast way back in 2019, the Matt Duchesne trade year. Yeah. It's yeah, it has been a long time. There have been a lot of crazy deadlines. Uh one is buyers, uh, the rest is sellers. Uh the even years are kind of lame. We have like Milano for sure, or uh, you know, last year Domi for Aiden Hershuk. But uh, the odd number of years are busy years. So uh, we're gonna jump right into it and talk about what the Blue Jackets accomplished last week in the lead up to the trade deadline. Well, first of all, I thought it was just a crazy deadline around the league. It felt like a lot yeah. more active than it generally is. Teams got started earlier. It's like they thought that the deadline was you know, last weekend on a Saturday or Sunday or whatever, like that was just Mm -hmm. crazy. And, you know, the Jackets, uh, after whiffing on the Boston thing, which we talked about last week, they finally got things going. Now, the first trade that happened last week was not the one that I expected to be first. Uh, On Tuesday night, the Jackets traded Gus Nyquist and retained 50% of his salary uh, to Minnesota for a fifth round pick. Now that is, Boston's fifth round pick so that should probably be late in the fifth round but honestly that was kind of a that was a higher pick than I was expecting Dale 
how does this compare to what you expected to get for Gus? Uh, there's no conditions on this pick, which I think was also a surprise. It, it, is, did this come in with what you expected, better than you expected? Uh, how did the Jackets do on this trade? I think it's about about what, what I expected. Um, the whole interesting part of it was the NHL setting out that notice mm. um, beforehand, yeah. warning teams about um, you know that kind of situation, which is just absurd on its face. With <laughs> you know how often, I mean, how often teams over the last you know five or six seasons have um, been manipulating the cap, um, and then right after it's about to benefit the Jackets, you know, um, <laughs> the NHL sends out uh, a note. So that's 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 unsurprising. Um, it could have possibly been a little bit better of a return, but honestly, with him being hurt, um, right. question marks surrounding that, it's really disappointing because he's a guy that probably could have we could have got probably could have gotten a second or a third round pick out of him um, if he had been healthy. Um, but you know, a fifth round pick with him being hurt, um, that's that's about as good as you can ask. I think he's going to be a good fit um, in Minnesota too. Yeah, and with, and with them getting Marcus Johansson as well, that's like two guys that can really boost their third line and give them some scoring depth going into the playoffs. Uh, Berkus, uh, did you like this deal? Yeah, I mean, similar thoughts uh, where, like, I honestly, like, for an injured guy, that's about what I yeah. expected. It would have been nice to see something similar to, I think it was what Nash had mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago where it's like it upgrades if he plays half the games, but, like, that's small potatoes. And with the pick being Boston's, it's going to be, even if it were upgraded, pretty much would be a fifth mm-hmm. anyways. So I'm not too mad about it. Uh, it. I mean, it's fine. I agree that the cap shenanigans thing is weird, especially considering one of the other trades I feel much more emotional about uh, than the <laughs> did. Um, but I guess we can get into that more when we get to that one. But yeah, that's, that's about what I expected. It's actually honestly probably better than what I expected, but yeah. Yeah, one interesting thing about that LTR, LTIR memo is that the Wild are in a position where they have enough cap space at the moment that they don't actually have to put Gus on LTIR. He's just on regular yeah. injured reserve, and you know he's still saying that he thinks he can be ready before the end of the regular season. And I think mm-hmm. because Minnesota doesn't need that those cap shenanigans, they'd be totally fine with him get, coming back sooner. Probably It's probably better if he's ready before the end of the regular season, just to give more time to get acclimated with his line mates or whatever. So uh, that could be, I think that's yeah a good pickup for Minnesota for a reasonable cost. Uh, and again, they were able to spend a pick that they got by laundering another deal with Boston. Uh, I think yeah, Minnesota has handled things very, very well, especially for a team that is going to have more cap issues next year with that, uh, the buyout numbers for Parise and Suter, that goes up on the cap next year. So uh, they're making uh, the most of the situation they can this year with it. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, so the next trade that happened then on Wednesday, this is the uh, the trade that we were expecting, uh, and the guys that we were expecting to move. Um, now, you know, we didn't get the first and third from Boston for Gavrikov, but we were able to get that return by also throwing in Jonas Corposalo. So Corpy and Gavrikov go to the Los Angeles Kings. We get back the Kings first round pick this year and their third round pick next year. Now, if they don't make the playoffs, now it seems very likely they will. If they don't, then instead we will get their second round pick this year and their second round pick next year. Uh, so that's, that's a kind of different condition. I haven't usually seen that where a team can get more <laughs> picks 
uh, there, so we wouldn't get a first. We'd get two seconds, which is kind of cool. But I'm I feel pretty certain that LA is going to make the playoffs. The West is a tire fire. Um, <laughs> but uh, and we also got back Jonathan Quick's contract, and we will discuss the Quick side of this later. Um, but that was to you know kind of balance out the salaries here, but. Mainly, uh, Gavi and Corpy going together to L.A. Now, you know, we have a long history with L.A., obviously. Like, there's the whole, we didn't draft Kopitar when we could have, and so they got him. There's the the Carter trade, obviously. Then the Gabbert trade. Both of those led to the Kings winning a cup. So, Burkus, uh, are the Kings going to be, should they be the 2023 Stanley Cup favorites based on having made a deadline trade with us? Uh, I think absolutely. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, just just because of how hockey works, like there's there's no way that just doesn't happen. Um, uh, no, I mean, but actually, there's possible that the East teams just beat each other up, and then the West, whoever comes out of the West just kind of wins. Right. But anyways, um, yeah, uh, I, I think this is. Uh, I I, I kind of look at this as two separate trades in a way. Gavrikov for a first, and then. Corpus Salo for uh, Hutchison in the third. Okay. I know the Hutchison thing doesn't come until later, but sure. I mean, it, it, I just, I'm pretty happy with both of those returns, to be honest. I think a first and a third was a bit ambitious. Uh, it would have been cool if he had pulled the Yamo pulled it off, but like, I like, I'm fine for first for Gavrikov. And I honestly, well, I was actually pretty excited about the Jonathan Quick thing because he's, Aside from Voracek, been my my favorite non blue okay. jacket. So that was an exciting about hour before it became very obvious that he didn't actually want to be here because we're Columbus. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was it's a pretty individually. It's about what I expected. I think it just seems a bit more underwhelming because they were combined. But like, if this was two separate trades, I'd be happy with it. So. Okay, so Burkus, were you the guy at Nationwide on Friday night wearing a Blue Jackets quick jersey? If he had ever, if he had played a game for like even a single game for us, I a hundred percent would have gotten a Jonathan Quick Blue Jackets jersey. Like, like I honestly like he's, you know, I can say he's my favorite non non Blue Jacket goalie. So, yeah, uh, I absolutely would have done that. And if I guess. The other trade comes later. If Voracek ever plays a single game for the Coyotes, I am happy <laughs> yeah. getting a Voracek Coyotes jersey. <laughs> so, yeah. It, yeah it, all cool. my favorite players left. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Dale, uh, for the L.A. side, uh, which of these players do you think will have the bigger impact for the Kings? That's a really good question. Um, I honestly don't even know. Who is their starting goalie? Or, or is it Corpy now? <laughs> I think it's what's his name, Phoenix it's, Copley. Oh, it's Phoenix Copley. Copley. Yeah, it's Copley. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's his numbers aren't great either. Um, so who knows? Maybe, maybe Corpy. I mean, he he won his first game um, yeah. with them, um, nine twenty three save percentage. So who knows? Maybe he becomes their starter um, by the time they hit the playoffs, and um, which wouldn't be too surprising. He's had a really good year, so I would say Corpy. Um, Gavrikov had a good first game, um, but I, I tend to think if a goalie is going to come in and play well and be better than anybody that you have, I would say that that's probably going to be your your biggest impact. So you pay a first for for Gavi, um, and then a third for Corpy, um, if you kind of look at it that way. But mm-hmm. um, the latter of that might end up being the best part. 
Well, that's what I'm wondering if, you know, in some ways, if Corpy is maybe more worth the first round pick and Gavrikov, probably all things considered, is more of a third round value in a trade, um, which, you know, given where both these guys are drafted, like that's that's pretty cool to flip them for higher value picks there. So now would we have felt better about this trade if the Boston stuff hadn't happened? Probably just be, just considering that that trade was for Gavrikov alone and just mm-hmm. seeing how well uh, that worked out. Like, like that's worked out with the Orlov, like becoming Bobby or two. <laughs> right. With the Bruins. Um, so I, I probably would have preferred the Boston because then we could also have a separate Corpy trade. Sure. And also would have gotten rid of Mateo Olivier. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, like, that happens like that in the NHL. Like, it, there isn't, like, a binding contract agreeing, like, yeah, we were going to make this trade as soon as it works. Like, Boston was in their rights to do that. It's kind of a jerk thing to do, but, like, right. Boston. I will say that if, let's say the Kings end up being a first-round exit, um, and that pick ends up being, you know, um, low twenties, yeah. Um, and Boston ends up going into the Cup final, which which is very very possible. Um, yeah. You know that ten that ten pick kind of difference between a first round Boston and a first round LA pick, um, it is going to be huge, especially if Yarmo tries to flip it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that pick is going to have a lot higher value. Um, which you know you're playing a what if game there, um, but it could work out. Yeah, so I'll start with you on this one, Dale. Would you rather use that pick in the draft or use it in a trade this summer? I think it all depends. Um, just who's available if it's a trade. Um, if if somebody with term comes along, mm-hmm. um, a younger player, um, either down the middle or on defense, 100% I would use that pick um, to, to, to trade. But if not, um, I think that that pick, especially in this draft, which is going to be is considered a very deep draft, um, somebody in the low twenties could end up still being good. Yeah, you know, and then maybe you could pull some sort of magic and and move up if there's somebody move up a few spots um, if there's somebody you really want. Um, but a first round pick, an extra one in this particular draft, either way, because if you do want to trade it, the other teams are going to see that value they know it's a deeper draft um mm-hmm. that pick might be worth a little bit more than it has in recent years yeah burkus what do you think i, I yeah that, that's about right to me like i obviously outside of fantilli uh bedard and carlson i haven't really been following the prospects much so i, I mm-hmm. just mostly taking people's words that it's a deep draft but yeah i mean it, the logic checks out i probably would prefer to trade it just because we were in a weird spot where our window is kind of just opening, but also we kind of have a timeline based on when Lion A's contract ends. Mm-hmm. So I think we have like three years left in that. Yeah. So I probably would prefer a trade, but I also like, I could see it going either way. And I don't really, haven't really thought about it enough to have a strong opinion, to be honest. Yeah. My gut says to, use the pick. I kind of like want to like just trust the process, trust the scouting department, like find another good pick because then if you're in the position of having seven first round picks over three years, 
Like that is a huge foundation for the team going forward. And that pick doesn't necessarily help next season, but could start paying dividends two years from now. And that's still well within the window. And even Yarmo admitted this week that, you know, the team still wants to make the playoffs next year, but he even finally like acknowledged that that might be uh, a bit ambitious, but uh, I still, and I feel like Yarmo's got a decent record overall in terms of selling players in trades, but when it comes to acquiring players in trades, uh, sometimes he tends to overpay there. So uh, I'm worried that he'd maybe spend that first round pick on someone that is not as worth it um, or is not the right fit for the team. So uh, I think I'd rather go with the draft picks. I trust him more as a drafter at that point. Uh, all right, yeah, moving on. At, yeah, you look at Chinikov and mm-hmm. Kulamans. Um, those are both picks in the 20s. Yeah. Um, over the last several years. So. You know, that's a really good point that um, if Yarmo has a, a recent track record of hitting on those picks, um, at least so far, uh, those yeah. players pan out, then, you know, maybe you just continue with that. Um, I mean, yeah, but the other side of that is that before that we had like Milano, Reichel, uh, right. Carlson. So I don't know. Once you get past like the top 10, the draft is mostly a crapshoot. Yep. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you can – the. Mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, on uh, on Thursday, then a trade that kind of came out of nowhere, really. The Jackets flipped Jake Voracek, uh, you know, who is on long term injury reserve. He's got dealing with concussion symptoms, uh, unlikely to play the rest of this season, probably unlikely to play next year as well. The last year of his contract. Uh, career seems to be over. Uh, we don't know for sure, but it's not looking good, which is unfortunate. So um, that 8.25 million cap hit for uh, this year and next year, that has moved to Arizona along with a 2023 sixth round pick. Uh, that's the Jackets' own pick there. Uh, that goes to Arizona in return. We get an AHL goalie in uh, John Gillies. Uh, so, I know Burkus has emotions about this, so we'll start with the uh, sort of object- objective analysis here. Dale, uh, were you surprised by this pick like I was? And having had time to reflect, do you think this is a, a good trade, a necessary trade uh, that the Jackets made? I think that the sixth round pick is very odd Yeah. Um, when you look at this. So, so first off, um, I think that we were all kind of surprised by this. Yeah just because mm-hmm. we were all kind of thinking and holding on to hope that, that Jake would be back next season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jake had said himself, he wanted, he thinks he can come back and there was just kind of a lot of mystery around that. And there just wasn't much, much being leaked out in terms of information. Um, and so I, it's just really unfortunate because the, the trade knew the trade, when that trade came down, it just kind of immediately became obvious to everyone that his career is likely over. Um, yeah. You're not, you're not going to make that trade if he's back next season, even if there's a chance he's back next season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the sixth round pick was strange. Arizona needed somebody to get them off the cap floor for next season. Um, the Jackets uh, needed to uh, apparently move him um, to be able to move performance bonuses to this year instead of next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a mutual need for both organizations. 
um, which is odd why we would end up paying a sixth round pick in addition. Um, I, I don't, I still don't understand that. I would, I would really like to get some clarification of why, but, <laughs> but at the end of the day, a sixth round pick really isn't a big deal. Yeah. Which like, I'm fine with like trading that sixth round pick for the AHL goalie because of having, you know, trading corporate, we need goalie depth. We want to be able to maybe keep Tarasov down in Cleveland where we can get some regular action and all that. And, and then also, you know, balance things out there with the, with the rotation in Cleveland. So, uh, and then just having Arizona take Jake, uh, to give us our cap space, I guess that's, you know, the return we're getting there. Uh, all right. So Berkus, I know you're feeling, feeling your feelings on this one. Uh, uh, yeah. spill it out here. It just sucks. Uh, I'm not as fair enough about this as I was about the Carter trade, just because of the aspect that Jake's career is likely done. Yeah, but it's it, it's just unfortunate. Like I, I like like yeah, we could have like we could have you know we needed to trade him because performance thing, but we could also just like have put him on LTIR. Mm-hmm. Is that not like? create enough cap room to like have the performances stay in this year. And then like, well, the the LTI doesn't, doesn't help with those sorts of things because the LTI just allows you to make sort of moves in the season and go over the cap. Um, But like you don't really use it in the off season. You can, but you've also got that 10% window in the off season to use. So the LTR doesn't just like get rid of the cap hit. It's a, there's a lot of complications that I can't even really wrap my head around, um, but I can understand from the team's perspective. And much like with the Clarkson thing years ago, where it's like it's just easier to not have to worry about that big chunk of salary there, and to be able to have more flexibility to do stuff. So I can understand. Yeah, that's eight point two five million. That's a lot. That's like ten percent of the cap. So like I, I get that it gives them more flexibility here. I think that's what they're looking for. Yeah, and like, that's fair. I'm like, I'm not a capologist, so like, I'm not like surfing on cap friendly all the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's I guess if that's how it works, all right. But like, also, I wanted I wanted him to finish his career as a blue jacket, man. Yeah, like, yeah. I I just really preferred that. And then the other thing about this, it kind of goes back to what I hinted at earlier with the memo, like. So the league apparently has an issue with teams circumventing the cap, like <laughs> by getting LTIR people, but they don't have an issue with teams like circumventing the cap floor. Yeah. Apparently, is that like how this works? Because like this is a two way street, right? Like, there is like if the teams like Tampa, Toronto, uh, Boston are cheating, quote unquote, yeah. by getting LTIR players, then like. Arizona is also cheating by not spending any money. Like you're, you're MLBing this shit. Like, so that's just also an annoying aspect of it too, just from like a league, like fairness standpoint of like, in my opinion, if you can't do the LTIR shenanigans to stay below the cap, you shouldn't be able to do like acquiring Shea Weber and Jakob Voracek and Pavel Datsuk and whoever else, Hosa, like, Mm -hmm. In order to like stay above, I think it's at what sixty five million, like something like that. Yeah. If if half of your cap is people who are never gonna play again, like, dude, like that's that's the other part of it too. It's just that it's just kind of like Dale was saying how it just kind of confirms that Jake's not gonna play again, and like mm-hmm. that's just unfortunate. Yeah. I don't I know. Such good times. It's like 
And I, I hate seeing that end early. Yeah. One of the other sucky parts about it too is um, the the team was actually getting to be fun, like the personalities. You know, yeah, like yeah. Were, yeah. You had Jake and you have Line A. Um, oh, Gavrikov was part of that too. Gavrikov yeah. too. Like you had some good personalities and Marchenko. Yes, hockey can hockey can be hockey personalities can be really drab sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it was one of the things that we loved about Torts. Uh, for all his other quirks was at least it was entertaining. Um, and then when you lose a couple of those guys, um, you know, it kind of just kills that kind of vibe, which, which I think stinks. Yeah. 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 Well, well said. Um, and then the last trade that also went down on Thursday. So we had acquired quick from the Kings and it had come out on, you know, late Tuesday night that this trade was going to happen. And, that Quick had been informed about it and that he was not happy, but he still like flew back to LA with the team after their game, wherever they were. Um, and it was clear that like the chances of him playing in Columbus were very slim. And Dale, you wrote about this on Thursday morning before the, you know, the trade ever happened as to what are the options, you know, are we going to trade him? Uh, would he play here or, you know, could he just retire? Which that was another option as well for him. But, you know, the jackets, I think, Right from the get-go, we're looking then for a spot where he would be willing to go to do, you know, the right thing by that player. And so they ended up trading him to the Vegas Golden Knights, who have had injury issues in goal this year. Um, now, Quick is not very good this year, but he's he's a live body, and he's got experience. And I think Vegas wants to face L.A. in the playoffs, and Quick against his old team would be... Uh, a great way to stick it to them after uh, doing him dirty like this. I think he wanted to retire at King. Uh, so the Jackets retained uh, half his salary. And uh, in return, they got Michael Hutchinson, who uh, has some NHL experience, uh, has not played a lot this year in the NHL or AHL. Uh, he got to play a little bit on Saturday night in relief of uh, Elvis against <laughs> Ottawa, because that was just a, again, not Elvis's fault. The team just played gar- like garbage in front of him, so. Might as well uh, throw Hitchinson, Hutchinson out there. Uh, we also got a 2025 seventh round pick. So a seventh round pick three years from now or whatever. Uh, that's fun. Uh, so uh, Burkus, uh, this feels like kind of fair return for the kind of transaction it was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My reaction is it sounds like, okay. Like like I said, I kind of view it as part of the Corpy thing where like yeah. Corpus Allo for Hutchinson, so basically up. Downgrading from Corpy to Hutchison and then getting a third. Uh, like, I'll be honest, it's hard. I don't really care about this trade, to be honest. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, Hutchison's mostly just a stopgap for the rest of the year, and then it's a seventh. Like, yeah. it could technically turn into something, but like, most likely not. Um, like, I'm more just bummed that quick. It's it's a weird situation because it's we're in a spot where the player doesn't want to be on the team and the team doesn't really want the player. Yeah, it's kind of like like a weird like sitcom almost scenario. This kind of had to happen, and if not, it's going to be really awkward. Yeah, well, and I think LA had they had to move a goalie to make room for Corpy, and Quick was the, the obvious the choice. side of things. It makes total like yeah. logical sense, like from an objective standpoint, why you would do like their their trade. Mm-hmm. Like it just kind of sucks from an emotional standpoint. Like I'm uh, 
internet friends with a Kings fan and he is absolutely devastated <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, but like, and, and, and this is in a similar boat where it's like, you kind of just have to do this trade. And it's like, I'm honestly surprised he got, Yarmo got as much as he did. Like this is about a seventh and a serviceable backup. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, I don't take Quick's position about Columbus personally. I don't think it's so much about Columbus it's as much as it is, we are a team that is not going anywhere this season. So yeah. if the chance is to play for a team that will be in the playoffs, and I think it's fine to to give him that option. And, you know, last week I complained about the fact that the deal with Boston fell through because Columbus didn't do enough to help Boston free up the cap space that they needed to make the deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And here, here with L.A., Columbus knew they were going to need a va- backup to replace Corpy because they didn't want to have to call up, you know, Greaves or Tarasov and uh, LA though needed to move a goalie. And so Columbus was like, okay, let's just take the, the quick contract because we can, let's get the deal done. And then because we're getting this done late Tuesday, early Wednesday, then we've got time to work out a deal to flip quick somewhere yeah. and, and then can recruit something else there. So yeah, Gavi and Corpy for a first, a third, a seventh, and then a guy that can solve your roster issues for the last month and a half. That I think that seems reasonable to me. Dale, do you agree? Yeah, I I, I agree um, wholeheartedly. Um, I do think what's interesting is I do think that there's a sneaky, really good part of this trade. Okay. Um, and I think it was really smart by Yarmo to handle it the way that he did. Um, so apparently Jonathan Quick was on the point on ESPN um, I think the day after the trade or the night of the trade um, to Vegas um, and in which he was praising um, the Blue Jackets organization for um, how honest and upfront they were in the whole entire process. Um, so I think that just from a simple standpoint of the league, how the league views Yarmo and the front office and the Blue Jackets organization is um, Yarmo calls up quick um, right after the trade and says, Hey, we're going to try and move you to playoff team. We want to make you happy. We want to help you out here um, versus kind of the way that that quick was um, treated in LA. Um, so, you know, you get that kind of that other players are going to notice that um, that kind of treatment. Um, and that's going to be something that um, other people are going to hear about. So I think that's a really good thing for Yarmo and the organization to have that kind of um, um, result um, yeah. You know, it wasn't really about quick and not wanting to be in Columbus. He wanted to play for contender. He didn't want to play for the last, the, the team that was in last place. Yeah. Um, so just really good job by the organization for, for doing their best just to move him out of town to somewhere he would want to be. Yeah. I do think, yeah, doing right by players is a good way to build reputation. And, um, and I feel like that's our reputation, I think has improved a little bit among certain players. I mean, I think, Goudreau knew that, you know, from friends he had spoken to that had been in Columbus, that they had nothing but great things to say about the organization, playing for the organization, playing in the city, all of that. So I think, you know, players talk and this stuff goes around and we're not going to be the dream destination for everyone. um, But I I think it, uh, that this definitely can go a long way. And I think, um, you know, I hope Yarmo still has a good reputation with the other GMs in terms of being able to, make deals being, you know, he has a reputation for being tough. He sets his price and he works with it or whatever. But, um, you know, I said last week, I, I do wonder, you know, how this 
you know, how Boston, how they'll be perceived, you know, if they went back on a deal or that kind of thing. So we'll, we'll see how that, uh, how that goes up, but hopefully Jarmo has a good reputation, at least with the players. All right. So we're almost out of time, but, uh, we need to grade how the blue jackets did with this trade deadline, given all the circumstances, given what they had to get done. Uh, so Dale, what, what is your grade for Yarmo and, uh, this trade deadline? I would say B. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not a Savard and, and Felino for two firsts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we didn't really have the same kind of assets. Um, you know, we probably could have gotten a little bit more for Corpy and Gabby, but at the end of the day, it's not a huge difference. Um, the biggest part, it was just getting that first round pick. If he had missed out on the first round pick, it would have been an utter disaster. Um, so other than that, there's really not much you can do to kind of move in, in either direction. So um, yeah. I thought that he did what he needed to do. Well, and I think the Felino and Savard deals not really working out so great uh, for those teams. I mean, Tampa did still win the cup, but, you know, didn't get a first round value for the player. Uh, I think that has maybe that cooled the market a bit. The GMs are a little wary of making that same exact investment because uh, that could really backfire like it did for Toronto. So, uh, Burkus, what grade do you give? Yeah, I think B minus fringe C would prob- is probably about where I put it. Part of that is that I'm still kind of sad about the Voracek <laughs> thing, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, like, the Boston thing was kind of a whole debacle that, like, would have been nice if that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it, it's it's one of those things where it's, like, from an objective standpoint, getting, what, uh, fifth, Gillies, Hutchison, seventh, first, third, like, that's a pretty good deadline for a mm-hmm. seller. But also, like, knowing, like, what could have been and also, like, having that, like... And also, Germa did set a pretty high standard for himself two years ago. Right. It's like, we know he is capable of getting more. It's just, like, eh. So, like, my, my reaction is pretty much just meh to the deadline. Like, okay. could have got... Probably could... I feel like he probably could have gotten more, especially if he had been willing to be more flexible with Boston. But he also, like... It's not like it was still pretty good pickups and whatnot. So like, I, I like low B, high C. Okay. Probably where to put it. Yeah. So and um, in terms of sort of what we, what we have in terms of assets, the Jackets now have nine picks in the draft this summer and eight in twenty twenty four. And of this year's picks, uh, that is seven that are in the first four rounds. So that's two first our own second, two thirds, two fourths. So the the third and fourth are Calgary's and Winnipeg's respectively. We got those in the Bjorkstrand trade. So um, there are certainly picks to either, you know, pick players with or move in a trade. So uh, that's, you know, intriguing. I would agree with BB minus. I feel like the low B grade indicates that Yarmo understood the assignment and got it done but, you know, didn't uh, put in massive effort or show the mastery of the subject that would get him an A. And, yeah, you know, knock him down from a B to a B- minus because of just the sort of the PR element of the Boston situation. But uh, I do think that, you know, when I saw the the terms of the L.A. trade, I thought, like, okay, that's 
I'm happy that he got those assets eventually, even if it required moving Corpy as well. I was just happy that it got done. So, uh, you know, that seems fun. I was I was just going to say, speaking of draft picks, I took a sneak at the Boston Bruin draft picks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they do not have a first or second round this year. Do not have a first, second, or third round <laughs> next year. Um, so fun times in Boston, although they are very good. Um, yeah. They've got some very old players. Um, and, you know, they're on the way out over the next few years. So, you know, go for it. But yeah. um, it just cracked me up to see kind of the um, – the yeah. between the two teams. Yeah, this is pretty much uh, all in on this year's, and that's you know f- fun to see how that goes for sure. So, all right, well, that'll... is also just going, and New York are also just going crazy. Yeah, yeah, the East playoffs are going to be insane this year. Absolute bloodbath. Yeah, we'll we'll have a lot of time here the rest of the season to talk about that because I think that's just as a neutral fan that's going to be super exciting to watch in in April and May. So. Uh, But that will do it for us this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. For more content from the canon, check out JacketsCanon.com or follow us on Twitter at CBJCanon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Angela's new album, Turn Me Loose, is out now. Go to AngelaPurley.com for more music and show dates. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.